Hey, welcome to our class called Hearing God's Voice through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session eight called Responding to God's Voice. Now you'll remember in, in the last several weeks we've been following my book called Hearing God and each session corresponds with that same chapter. So we're in chapter eight today and session eight today, Responding to God's Voice. If you don't have a copy of this book, you can go to my website at bendixon.org and pick up a copy there. You can obviously go to amazon.com as well. If you want a free ebook, we'd be glad to send that to you. Just go ahead and email our office and we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. We've talked about so many things this far. We've talked about hearing God through relationship, how God communicates, hindrances to God communicating, and then last session we talked about discerning God's voice. But now we kind of come to the part where we're talking about responding to God's voice. And what I want to do is I want to broaden what it means to respond to God's voice. Sometimes you'll just hear like God speaks to be obeyed and obedience really is the only response. But what I want to do is show you that that's really not the only response, that there are other ways that we need to respond in cooperation with obedience, of course. And you'll see this to be true as we walk through several different scriptures. But something I want to say to you right up front is that God is speaking to us, but what are we doing with what he says. Remember we've shared John chapter 10 verse 27 where Jesus said, my sheep, my people, hear my voice or listen to me. I know them and they follow me. This component of following, they heed and not just hear. They follow what Jesus is saying. We can't be people that hear only. We've got to be people that hear and heed what God tells us. And there are a couple responses that we want to be drawn out of our hearts when God does speak to us. So what are you doing with what God said? Such a crucial question that we need to be asking ourselves. One of the most important sermons, obviously, that Jesus ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. At the end of those sermonettes, he, gave, uh, these, he said these words, this passage, that kind of sums up all of the things that he said. He gave some instruction, he gave some teaching, he gave some direction, here are the things that I want you to do. And he ended with this, which is I think that will help, this will help us in our conversation as well. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they slammed against that house and yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Jesus said those who hear his words without responding are foolish and they can expect a definite collapse. Now, obviously, we understand that we want to be people that hear and heed God's voice, but hearing the voice of God, it really does demand a response. It's a privilege that we have in relationship with them, but it certainly demands a response. So we as the people of God take it very seriously that when there's a clear directive of the Lord or an instruction of the Lord, that we want to heed that. We want to follow what it is that He's saying to us. And I, as I've said before, we're going to broaden those responses. I want to first just briefly look at the heart to respond. We've got to have a humble heart to respond because God uses humble people. Humble people are receptive, they're teachable, they're open. I remember one time I was reading the Gospels and I was looking at the disciples and the way that they act or interact with Jesus, some of the responses 
responses that they have are, you know, quite silly or funny. And really, instead of relating to their responses, which I should have, I asked the Lord just out loud in prayer, why did you choose the disciples? I mean, of all the people that you could have chosen, and it's not to demean them or to say that, you know, he should have chose somebody else. It was just a question. Why did you choose the disciples? And it was like I heard the voice of the Spirit say to me, I chose them because they were humble. And I thought about that because you don't always see humility in Peter, James, and John. You don't always see humility in Thomas. But what I realized as I thought about the stories that I read about in Scripture is that they actually did have humble hearts. These are people that when Jesus walked by them and said, follow me, they left everything and they followed Jesus. These are people that when everybody else walked away, all the crowds dispersed. These are the ones that said, where will we go? Because you're the one that has the words of life. And we're talking about people that day and night followed him, even when they didn't understand what he was teaching. They obviously did not have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to bring understanding to them. They had the best teacher in the world, but they couldn't quite understand always what he was saying. But they never left him. They were teachable. They were humble. They responded. I mean, Peter maybe seems like an arrogant guy, but when Jesus said, come out on the water, he's the one that stepped out. I mean, he stepped out of the boat and he walked on water briefly, but he did it. He was humble enough to receive from Jesus and to respond to Jesus. Now, sometimes we're humble enough to receive, but are we humble enough to respond? That's what we're talking about. We've got to have a humble heart if we're going to be the kind of people that respond to the words of God. And we look at 1 Peter, I think it's chapter 5, there's two verses in James as well, where it talks about God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The word grace, talking about God's empowering grace, his empowerment. He gives that to us, the ability to follow through, the ability to apprehend. He gives us grace when we're humble, when we're receptive, when we're open, when we're teachable. So we're not going to ever respond to the voice of God if we're first not humble or have a humble heart. So this is really the first thing and the most important thing as we look at responding to God's voice. But the first response that I want to talk to you about is we need to learn how to respond with faith. Our first response is the response of faith. And faith is the assurance or trust and belief and conviction in what God says. It is our ability to trust and believe that something is true beyond what we know and beyond what we see. You may not know it in the natural, you may not see it in the natural, but faith brings us beyond those limitations. Faith comes from God. We see that in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that every person has been given a measure of faith. So you have a measure of faith, but you have to cultivate that faith by placing it on what God says. You choose to believe the truth of what God says above what you see, above what you've known to be true. We make the choice to place our faith in what God has said. So biblically, our faith is trust and belief. It's to be applied toward what God says, His Word, and this is, in fact, how we respond. And throughout the Bible, God speaks to people and He expects them to believe Him regardless of what their physical circumstances are like. You see this time and time again. God speaks so clearly to people and His expectation is also clear. In Hebrews chapter 11, the writer here describes faith and then he lists those who responded to God when they heard him speak to them. This is what it says, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and it's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. 
By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of that which is those things which are visible. This chapter is meant to encourage people that are in difficult times to believe God as those who have done so in the past. And they're in all kinds of difficult times. You have historical accounts of the emperor of Rome kicking all the Jews out of Rome at that time. Several of them were believers. You have all kinds of persecution that they're undergoing. Some believers have lost their jobs, lost their houses. And there are Jewish believers that are kind of veering back towards Judaism. And they're going back to practicing the things that they realize that Jesus has actually fulfilled. And so in chapter 10, he's telling them to persevere. He's telling them that Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. You don't have to go back to some of those things that Jesus actually fulfilled. And so Judaism, many things in Judaism were a shadow of things to come. And when they believed the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and what he had fulfilled, which came in not just replacement of Judaism, but it came to fulfill the things that they were practicing. He's saying, don't go back to that. You've believed Jesus, persevere. And in Hebrews chapter 11, he's giving them some encouragement of people that heard God in their generation, believed him, and they persevered. And the fruit is obviously, uh, is obviously for them to see. And he's encouraging them with these words. But what I find very important is when you look at this verse, especially verse 3, he says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Now it's interesting because a lot of literal translations do not use this word worlds. It's a Greek word that ref refers to time and not, not like a thing. It's not referring to like worlds or universes. The NIV actually says universes. But really it's referring to more like an era of time or a generation. And I think it's important that we realize that the writer of Hebrews, what he's doing is he's encouraging people who, are, who have heard the voice of the Lord, they've heard the gospel of Jesus, and he's telling them that they need to keep persevering in what they have believed, what they have heard and believed. And he's using this uh, understanding of faith to help them do that. The rest of Hebrews chapter 11 actually goes through one generation after another from Noah to Abraham to Moses. You just continue on down the line. There were people that heard God in their generation and when they heard God they believed God and when they believed God they obeyed God and when they obeyed God they persevered with what God said and when they had persevered God had fulfilled what he told them he would do. He's telling them all that, giving them all these examples. And so this verse 3 doesn't really seem to fit that the universes were prepared by the Word of God. And then he goes into talking about people and generations and all of that. And so I, I think it's important that we realize that this verse might be translated, uh, should be translated a little bit different. And it could read like this. By faith we understand that the generations were framed and arranged by the living sayings of God. In other words, God spoke to people in their time and generation. They heard him, they believed him, and they obeyed him. And something shifted in that generation that the next generation was able to build upon. And this is exactly what he's trying to say as he continues on with the different people, the different generations, the different time periods. And this should encourage us because God is speaking to us in our generation and he wants to move through us. He wants to move through his people to do great and wonderful things. 
What are we doing with what God says? We need this encouragement just like they needed that encouragement. That when God reveals himself to us, when his word becomes alive to us, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us about how to apply the word that we read, we need to take heed with that word and persevere with it. That's the encouragement. Faith means that we believe what God is saying and what God is going to do, even though it doesn't look like it. What does it look like where you are? the world that you live in, the, the culture that you're a part of. What does it look like? Does it look like God's going to bring revival? Does it look like God's going to bring all these different people to salvation? Does it look like God can bring a nation to himself in a day? No, it probably doesn't look like that. But what is God capable and able to do? What can he do through you? What is he saying to you about what your role is, what your part is to play in this whole thing? Are you believing him? That's what we're talking about. Are we responding with faith to the word of God in our culture, in our generation, in our day? This was the encouragement to them. It needs to be the encouragement to us. I remember hearing a story about Catherine Coleman and she was recalling the day that God spoke to her and told her to give over her will to him. She said she loved Jesus before that. She was a follower of Christ. But there was a moment where God spoke to her and said, I want to use you to change the world. I want to use you to bring healing power to this generation. And she said it required her to believe that, respond with faith to believe that, and then consequently obey. But she couldn't, she couldn't obey until she believed that that was God speaking to her, that he was actually going to use her, a woman, in that culture and in that time frame, in that generation. And she gave over her will. She said she remembered the day and the time when she actually made the decision to give everything over to him. And as a result of that, she was able to change her generation by bringing the healing power and the gospel message of Jesus Christ to thousands upon thousands, if not millions of people. It just, it just took her to believe. What is God saying to us? And are we believing him? God speaks and reveals what he desires. He calls us to believe. And when we do, the world will change. That's what we are after. The second response is that we need to learn how to respond with obedience. Obedience is the response that God asks from us in everything that he will ever tell us to do. God knows what is best for us. Therefore, the best life is always the obedient life. Sometimes when we think about obedience, we think about like, a, to my, in my mind, what comes, to, what comes to my mind is a picture of like a dog. I mean, dogs can obey, pets can obey. And so we think like it's demeaning or it's belittling to think that we're just obedient. But really, obedience implies trust. We trust that what God says is what's best for us. When God tells us to do this, we're aligned with his will. We're aligned with his ways. We know that as he says it to us, it's what's best for us. We read about this, obviously, in the life of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, here's what it says. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. You can underline that. And Lot went with them. Now Abram was 75 years old and when he departed from Haran, God told Abram to go and that he would bless him. 
but he wouldn't be blessed unless he went. And that's what we need to think about. God said, if you go, I will bless you. Now, he's not going to be blessed if he doesn't go. What is on the other end of our obedience? Think about that for a moment. You're not going to see the outcome that you're looking to see unless you go through the obedience that you need to go through. This is so vital. We want to see it before we do it. We're not going to see it before we do it. We do it and then we're going to see it. This is so counterintuitive to many of us. We want God to tell us everything. We want God to show us the outcome. We want to know all the details. And God's saying, no, go to a land that I will show you as you go. In other words, put the car in drive and start driving. And I'll tell you when to take a right. I'll tell you when to take a left. But I'm not going to give you the GPS coordinates before you start. We love that. We like to get the GPS coordinates. Like today I was in the car and I could, it, it told me how long traffic was going to be, how long it was going to take me to get there. You know, right down to the very minutes where the traffic spots would be throughout my journey. He doesn't give us that. He's saying, I want you to go. I want you to do this. And he doesn't give us all of the insight or foresight that we, that we, we, we might want. All of those details. But we just trust the Lord. Because we say, Lord, if you say it, I'm going to do it. Because I know it's what's best for me. Obedience always implies trust, but we've also got to realize there are two different kinds of obedience in hearing the voice of God or responding to the voice of God. And the first is immediate obedience. And that means that we're in a supermarket and we hear the voice of the Spirit say, I want you to go speak to that person right now. I want you to go share a testimony with that person. Or maybe we're, you know, picking up our car at the dealership and we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, I want you to give $100 to that person. I want you to be generous to this individual. And we just need to immediately respond. Because sometimes the opportunity, it has, it has a lifetime, it has a lifespan to it. And outside of that opportunity, we can't just go and reclaim it and redeem it. So we have to learn how to obey immediately. When the Holy Spirit says, do this, just do it immediately. But then there are other things that the Holy Spirit will speak to us about. Like, I want you to plant a church. And, and you know this to be the case, that if you are called upon by God to plant something, to start a business, or whatever it might be, that that's going to require you to do some things over a prolonged period amount of time. It's not just walk up and talk to somebody. Um, for example, the Holy Spirit spoke to me at a certain time in my life. I want you to write books and I want you to put this stuff uh, into media form. And so that's taken a lot of time. That's taken a lot of money. That's taken a lot of persistence and obedience over a prolonged period of time. It just didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just the result of one decision. It was the result of many, 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 many decisions. And so we have to remember responding with obedience requires that we continue in our faith to believe that it is God's word, but also that we obey every time that we need to obey, day in, day out, month in, month out. Some is immediate and some is long term, but both we need to continue in our obedience before God. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, he shared some very important things with his disciples. And this is one thing that he said that fits into our conversation. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, you will obey what I command. This is important. Our love for Jesus is expressed in us doing what he's told us to do. See, Jesus was going to the cross and he's telling his disciples, listen, guys, I know you don't want me to go and you're telling me that you love me and that's the reason you don't want me to go. But if you really love me, what I need you to do is I need you to make sure 
that you put into practice what I taught you. I need you to make sure that you obey the things that I told you. I need to make sure that you listen to the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who's going to come and reveal all things that my Father has given to me. I need you to know that loving me is not trying to keep me here. Loving me is not just saying you're never going to deny me because come on, they did. But loving me is obeying me when I'm not even here. That's what it means. And the same is true for us. If we love Jesus, then we will obey him. And we need to realize that that's what love looks like. Love does not look like us doing nothing. Love looks like something. It looks like obeying the words of Jesus, obeying the Spirit's voice in our life, whether it's immediate obedience or long-term obedience. That is an expression of our love for God, which is our greatest calling, which is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. This is actually how we practically do that in our life. The third response is that we also have to respond with courage. God will ask us to do things that will confront our feelings, our fears, our thoughts, and we need to take courage. Fear might come and we've got to overcome that fear many, many times in the Bible. Whether it was the Father, it was the Son, or maybe even an angel of the Lord said, fear not. I mean, it's hundreds of times, do not fear right? We need to have faith, but we need to, have, we need to also have courage. Significant things happen, and the world changes when we have courage and we take great risks. Great risk, great reward. Little risk, little reward. This is the way of life. Courage is given by God, but as we respond to His voice, we will need it if we are truly going to step up and speak out. You need courage. I need courage. We see this in many instances in the Bible. One of them is in the story about Joshua. Moses is now dead. Joshua was his successor. And now Joshua is about to lead all of the people of Israel into the promised land. After his mentor, the one that he looked up to, the one that he was following, just died. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. And this is what God says to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is what we need to realize, that God is with us. Be courageous because of who is with you. And you can be, I can be courageous because I know that. It's not just me. God doesn't say, hey, I want you to go do this. And then when you're done, come back to me and show me what you've done. No, no, no. God says, I want us to go do this. I want you to be the spearhead and I'll go with you. Let's go do this together. That's what the Lord does. We're going to do this together. I want you to step out. I want you to speak up. And don't forget, I'm right behind you the entire time. My hand is on your shoulder. My power is in you. Go ahead and step up and speak out. So, so important that we're going to take risks and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But that's why we need the courage. See, you don't need courage if, if you're never going to take a risk. You don't need boldness um, if you're never going to move out of your comfort zone. Or you're never going to move out of your convenient zone. The Christian life is not just convenience and comfort. It is sacrificial. It requires courage. It will demand it out of our life. And we get it from God. Ask God for the courage that you need. Now I want to talk to you just for a moment about the process of responding to God because I think the writer of Hebrews continues in that conversation from chapter 11 that we read, but he, he, the writer of Hebrews helps us understand that as, to be encouraged as believers in the midst of difficulty or even in their, in, in their context it was persecution, 
these many examples that heard God, responded to God, and all of that, they believed and obeyed. They found that it was worth it. But look what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is what he says. He says, let's look. There's such a great cloud of witnesses. All of these people in Hebrews 11 that I told you about, they heard God, they believed him, they obeyed him, they persevered, and then they saw God move in their generation. And the next generation benefited from that because they were able to build on it. And he goes, these are the cloud of witnesses. Be reminded that we have this great cloud and, and, and they're calling to us in the race that is set before us. You have a different race and that you need endurance in the race that's set before you. But, but be reminded that you have these cloud of witnesses, that these people are cheering you on and they're calling you to the finish line. But then he goes into saying that God, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And the way we see that is that he's the one that speaks to us. He's the author and he's the one that finishes. But in between that, we see that we're called to hear him. We're called to believe him. We're called to obey. And then we're called to persevere. We need to hear. We need to believe. We need to obey. And we need to persevere. And then he's the finisher. Whatever God says to you, he can complete. But we have a responsibility in the midst of that. And we need to be faithful to respond to whatever God tells us and see that completion, that inevitable outcome that we desire, that we want to see happen. We want to see God change a generation. We want to see God move through us and change culture. Change. We want to be history makers. But in order for that to be the case, we've got, we've got to respond. We've got to be faithful. And we've got to be persistent. Persevere with whatever God says. Persevere in your faith. Persevere in your obedience. And watch what God will do. What is God calling you to do? What is God asking you to do? I don't know what he's asking you to do, but I know some things that he's asked me to do, and I want to be faithful to what God is calling me to do. I want to read to you these questions and have you consider them as we close our session. The first question for this chapter or this session is this, have you ever disobeyed God after knowing he has called you to do something? What is that? Why is that? If so, describe the situation. Did you learn from your experience? What will you do differently the next time? What will you do differently the next time? Because you will have a next time. Second question is this. Do you struggle with doubt when God speaks to you? Why or why not? What do you need from God in order to move forward with greater faith and confidence in what he tells you? What do you need? You have not because you ask not. Let's ask God for whatever we need. Number three, do you believe that you are fully surrendered to God? Would you be willing to do anything that he told you to do at this point in your life? Why or why not? And how can you move forward with great courage? How do you go about that? We talked about that a little bit, but you need to answer these questions for your own life. And then, of course, what encouraged you the most about this chapter and how will you apply it to your life? The most important part of this is that we need to respond to the voice of God. What we do with what he says is the most important thing in our life. And we need to reflect upon that as we answer questions like these and move forward as we follow Jesus. Let me pray for us as we close. 
Father, I thank you for this class. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and that we play a part in your plan. And we know, Lord, that you're moving and that you're doing things far beyond what we see, far beyond what we know. But we're thankful that we're co-laborers with Christ and that as you speak to us, Lord, we get to see we get to see people's lives change. We get to see a generation change. And so what I ask for, Lord, is I pray that you would increase our faith. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to believe you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to obey you. I pray, God, that you would give us courage, give us the revelation that you're with us. And Lord, I pray that you would also help us to be persistent, that we would persevere and we would not give up. We are not fair-weathered people who give up quickly, but we are strong in you and in your mighty power. Father, I thank you once again that we get the privilege, the awesome privilege of hearing from you and being a part of your plan. Help us to be faithful to it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I look forward to our next session together. <laughs>